the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. My name is Mike Lee. I'm the Director of Local Ministries here at True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ and 104.1 The Fish. And our very special guest in the studio today is visiting from Family Life, and his name is Jeff Camp. How are you today, Jeff? Great, Mike. Thank you. It's good to be with you. It's good to have you in town. And can you tell us one of the reasons you may have come to town? <laughs> uh I come into cities to help encourage marriages and oftentimes encourage men. I'm here specifically to encourage marriages, unity amongst the churches, and an opportunity for anyone uh, to celebrate their marriage, to recommit their vows, to uh, go from a good marriage to a great marriage, from a kind of doldrums marriage to a stronger marriage, and maybe someone who's on the rocks uh, to find hope and healing that they can get back on the track that God intends for them. So uh, we have this huge event. August 23rd, called I Still Do at the Moda uh, Center. So that's what I'm in town for. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with I Still Do, this is a big one-day event. It's going to strengthen your marriage no matter where you are in it. If you're married for five days or five decades, if you're kind of pre-engaged, we want you to be there, not only to rekindle the romance, but to give you the tools and resources to succeed in your relationships. That's at the Moda Center here in Portland on Saturday, August 23rd. You can always find more information on our websites and also at istilldo.com. But I think nowadays, Jeff, you, um, if you had to equate marriage to buying a new car, which I realize is a really low expectation. <laughs> you buy a new car, you're still going to go back every three months to get your oil changed. If you're smart, you'll rotate your tires more frequently than I do. And you do this because you want what you have, which is good, to continue to run well. Yeah, obviously there's there's a, a strength to that analogy in that we maintain our automobiles uh, wisely to retain their value and let us keep traveling in them. But that's not the best analogy because a, a car depreciates in value. A marriage, when two people commit themselves to God's design and submit to him so his Holy Spirit and power will work through them to make them um, unconditional, loving, respecting, encouraging um, investors in their marriage, the value rises. The marriage improves. And too many of us settle for Oh gosh, I guess this is just the way it is. You know, they say you fall in love. You don't fall in love. You make a choice. Too too often people just slide into their marriages rather than deciding. But once we're in a marriage, it isn't like a car that just depreciates. And as we look around, we see people trade in for a new version or give up. Uh, a marriage is meant to be a journey of growth, mostly crushing selfishness out of us, learning to be a teammate, how to understand your spouse and how to bring out the best in them. And pretty soon that team is far more successful and enjoyable than it was in the early years. And you'll talk to many couples in their you know, 25th year, 30th year of marriage. Uh, it's more sweet now than ever before, but only if you view it as an investment. So why do we not put the investment of our time, our energy, and our resources into our marriages like we do to our careers or raising our kids? Why, why do we just automatically think – 
we walk down that aisle, we have our reception, and poof, things are supposed to be great. I, these things take time, don't they? I think a part of it is uh, this is the most advertised to age in history. We are the consumer generation. Um, kids are seeing probably 750 to 1,000 ads a day, the more they're on the, their screens, and adults are seeing 500 ads a day. So when you are in an entertain, entertainment and consumption economy, you are trained to be a consumer and you view relationships as if they should satisfy you. And you don't realize that, no, this is a journey. This is an investment. This is what I make of it. Even if my spouse is kind of not doing well today, I can change myself and the way I behave toward her or him. And that improves the relationship. So, you know, we have this romantic notion that you're going to find your soulmate, find the right one, and all of a sudden everything will be completed and beautiful and wonderful and you live happily ever after. And then people find, well, we're different and frustrated and we have arguments. Maybe I didn't marry the right one. We just hope that the relationship is automatic. And that's kind of like being a consumer. Whereas an investor would say, this relationship is going to be what I make it. You know, the Seattle Seahawks this year won the Super Bowl because they loved to get better every day. And they call that competition. They're competing against themselves to get better every day, investing more work and sacrifice so they can be great. And it pays off. We should take that same attitude to marriage, which is what the I still do or uh, reading marriage devotionals or praying together as a couple or having a mentor couple or going through the art of marriage, small group study. All those things are investments to make our relationship grow because it can improve all through life. So it's not surprising you, bring, you brought up a sports analogy. Can you share with some of our listeners where they may have heard your voice in this market before and about some of your previous career choices? Well, I've been on, on interview shows on this station many times, but we had a, a feature called um, Family Matters with Jeff Kemp. And uh, I worked in the Northwest running a nonprofit called Stronger Families for 18 years. Um, and we did a one-minute feature to encourage folks. But uh, I grew up in a family where my dad played pro football, and then he went into um, policy and, and uh, government. Uh, so we were kind of trained to make a difference in our family. I was a quarterback like him as well, uh, played for the Seahawks and a bunch of other teams and retired in Seattle um, and really wanted to be a part of teamwork for families, you know, strengthening men's relationships uh, so they can grow and strengthening women and strengthening marriages as the center of the family. So I guess it was probably that uh, background from the uh, Family Matters show and then my football background with the Seahawks. So being the son of Jack Hamp, was it tough or was it like being a pastor's kid or a, a police officer's kid? Was there a lot of pressure on you growing up? Um, it wasn't tough in the sense that dad put pressure on me or anything like that. He did a great job. He was a super affectionate, encouraging, uh, unconditional in his love and encouragement. But I put pressure on myself because I did have a dad who was a big deal. He was visible and a success and had this big aura. And uh, I kind of put a performance-oriented expectation on myself that to be someone, I needed to be a leader. I needed to be a starting quarterback. I needed to, you know, perform. Um, and it's Jesus who sets us free from that. It's great to work hard. I mean, Colossians 3.23 says, Do your work heartily as unto the Lord. It's the Lord Christ whom you serve. But if you're serving Christ— it isn't your performance that creates your identity. It's what he did for us. So I had this little bit excessive uh, performance expectation coming from my dad. It's basically been Christian discipleship and lots of hard knocks through the years that's reminded me that it isn't our performance that defines us. It's Christ. And then it's our character of pursuing Christ 
that really is our identity. So were you raised in a Christian home yeah. throughout your life? Yeah. My mom was kind of the personal sharing of her faith. Dad was kind of the macro picture of God's in charge, has a plan for your life. Um, and I drifted during the college years, kind of thought I could have my faith but run my life myself. And I, I succeeded in all the worldly measures, but I found myself really empty. And uh, that's what convinced me. Actually, the, the, the passage Romans 8.28 came into my mind um, at the end of college several nights when I hadn't been following God at all or reading the Bible, but I'd memorized it as a kid. And it reminded me that things only work together for good if you're called according to God's purpose not your own purpose. And I, my purpose had been Jeff. So at, the, at that point, 21 years old, I said, Lord, you can have my life. I'm going to California to try out for the Rams. Uh, please take over. That's fantastic. So you had the roots growing up had the roots. in your house, but you didn't really own it on your own till your early 20s at college, getting ready to move on to the NFL. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I formed my own approach to Christianity and uh, it was not following Jesus as Lord. I kind of thought of him as Savior and an insurance policy, and yeah, I'd go to heaven, but I wanted to be in charge. And uh, Satan fools us that way. Um, he makes us think that God is holding out on us. He did that to Adam and Eve, you know, in, in the garden. Uh, hey, did God really say you can't eat from all this fruit, you know? Um, and then all of a sudden, casting that doubt, they took control themselves and all of us have made kind of the same decision in some way or another. So in addition to I Still Do, one of the ministries that you work with is with men's ministries and men stepping up. So where do you reconcile the fact that your father loved you unconditionally and yet somewhere down the line you became performance-oriented? Well, I think what a lot of men are losing today and don't have um, is a strong identity of who they are as a man. Hearing the words that the father said to Jesus, uh, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and gaining that blessing, if you will, where your father says, I love you. You're a good man. And I got a lot of that from my dad, um, but I didn't get it completely spiritually. And so it just took a wandering period before I kind of learned the lesson on my own and came back to Christ. And you mentioned uh, stepping up. Um, there is a growing need amongst churches, men in churches and outside of churches, for sure, to find out what is my identity as a man? What is it to be a man? And that's what Stepping Up, uh, Stepping Up is all about. It's a DVD series, either an event or a 10-week series that helps guys get into small groups and explore how do you develop the character of a godly man and where's the power source for it? And it comes from Christ. Jeff Kemp is the vice president and catalyst for helping others for family life. And when we return, we're going to find out more about jeffkempteam.com, translating pro football lessons into leadership and teamwork, menstepping.com about men and men's identities we were just speaking about, and, of course, Family Life's Art of Marriage coming up right after the big August 23rd event, I Still Do, with more information at istilldo.com slash Portland. You are listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Welcome back to Difference Makers on True Talking 100 with our very special guest, the Vice President and Catalyst for Helping Others for Family Life, Jeff Camp. Jeff, we don't want to welcome you to the Portland area, although you're not a stranger to the Northwest by any means, right? Uh, this has been home for 25 years. We just moved two years ago to Little Rock, so it's fun to be back on a sunny summer day. So where were you living before your move to Little Rock? Uh, we lived in Redmond, up in, uh, not Redmond, Oregon, but Redmond, Washington, in the Bellevue, Seattle area. 
Oh, it's nice up there. My cousin lives there. Oh, it was, it was good. We have a lot of great friends, and I actually have a son and daughter-in-law that live up there. He works for the Seahawks, uh, so we're still very attached to uh, that awesome team. So tell us about uh, your wife, where you met her, and about your sons. Um, I met my wife, Stacy in 1981. I was a rookie with the Los Angeles Rams at Cal State Fullerton going to training camp. It was the summer of my dedication of my life to Christ after kind of wandering a bit in college. She was a senior to be at USC, uh, a Trojan, and uh, had grown up in Fullerton. Her hometown was there, and uh, her mom read a newspaper article about me in the paper saying that my dad was a congressman, and I came from this Ivy League school, and I was a long shot to make the team. And at the end of the article, I said, uh, in answer to the question, are you worried about getting cut because you're the fifth of – five quarterbacks, and they're only going to keep three. I said, no, I'm going to leave it in God's hands. That was my Tebow-esque, bold profession of faith in those days. Um, and Stacy picked up the article and read it and felt like writing me an encouraging letter. She had just given her life to Christ about a year and a half earlier and had been in Bible studies and growing during her college era. She had chosen not to date, which was not uh, – well, dating was easy for her. She's really attractive, got a great personality. She's an awesome young lady. Um, and so she was choosing to follow Christ and not date at that time in the fraternity sorority system. And she wrote me a letter and started praying for me at nine and two, the two times of practice and during the day that she read in the paper, the Rams were practicing. And she just wrote me an encouraging letter that as a Christian, she thought I could have a good influence on kids. And uh, we met through a weird blind date about two weeks later because she met some people that went to the Rams Bible study and they were part of the church group she was a part of. And they invited her to come hang out with some Ram players on a night off. And at the last minute, someone got me to come. And uh, when we met and I asked if she was the one that wrote me the letter, which I wasn't in the habit of getting letters, she nodded yes. She's very shy and that's not something she typically would have done. And uh, that was the beginning of our relationship. It was clear from the beginning, God brought us together. And I knew I was going to marry her from the first night that I met her. Which doesn't happen to everyone at every given moment, mind you. But in no, this case, what no. a great story. It didn't hurt that she was really, really easy to look at. She <laughs> was awesome looking. And uh, her personality was super. And we just headed it off from the beginning. How long have you been married now? We've been married 31 years. And how is your relationship with Stacy today versus back at that party when you first met this shy girl and asked her? If well, she it was, was kind of an idyllic her. start, very romantic and fun. And uh, we had a lot of that pizzazz that goes with the early stages. Uh, at one point, uh, I even tried to break up with her, though, because it got um, – I was so used to partying and kind of doing wild stuff with my friend back at Dartmouth, my friends. And uh, I was living a much more disciplined, non-drinking life. Um, and I said, hey, this is maybe just getting a little – boring. Maybe we should take a break for a while. Such a stupid thing, such a selfish thing. Um, I was being a consumer back then. And I was thinking, maybe I'll date some other people. Maybe I shouldn't settle down too quick. And uh, she challenged me with her spunk and said, you know, I never claimed to be Miss Excitement. You, you kind of did. And here you're saying this is boring. Show me something exciting. You don't know that I won't follow it. And all of a sudden I said, oh my gosh, she has spunk. I should, I should stick with this. So I asked her what she thought of marriage just to plant a seed that I was interested in the long term even if I was thinking of a temporary breakup. And she laid out a Christian version of marriage, lifelong, God is the third partner, uh, the importance of husbands loving their wives and wives helping and supporting their husbands. 
um, the anchor of the family and the you know crisis central to the marriage. And I was like, okay, this is who I have to marry. So I, I didn't take the break and I stuck with her and uh, it was awesome. But the challenge is I, I went into marriage as a not so good teammate. I was kind of expecting a lot of benefits from her without knowing what it was to be a husband who invested in his wife, who conformed his character to Christ's, um, who was humble. Um, and so in acting like a consumer, I was frustrated that our differences were so extreme. And she's a dominant leader and I'm a dominant leader, but both of us have completely opposite personalities beyond that. She's the introvert. I'm the extrovert. She's disciplined. I'm spontaneous. She's objective. I'm subjective. She's a thinker. I'm a feeler. It's kind of funny. I'm kind of like the woman in the relationship. She's kind of like the man. And uh, we've had a lot of frustration and friction and little arguments, but never a doubt that we would stay married. We never had an option on divorce, which is one of the things that I don't think people benefit from today. They do not go into their marriage realizing that God is bigger than any relational challenges and that when he says that this is for life, he means it because he's the source of helping you keep it together. And if you don't go in with that full attitude of commitment, when the trials and tribulations come, which are natural in marriage, you will be less inclined to invest in your marriage and change yourself through Christ and more inclined to whine or maybe go to a counselor and say, fix us, which really means fix her. Right? Sure. That's a consumer approach. Thankfully, we had people mentor us. We had Christian conferences. We learned from Gary Smalley, marriage resources like the ones Family Life creates. And we started growing our marriage and got so much help that we helped others, even though we weren't fixed, so to speak. And that's how I got into marriage ministry. Well, first of all, I want to say how encouraged I am to know I'm not the only one in a great marriage relationship where. I hold a lot of the stereotypical female traits, whereas my <laughs> wife holds a lot of the more dominant male traits, and we're great together as as a result. That's funny. So, so I wonder where these stereotypes come from. Is it natural human nature, or is it what we see on the movies and, and television shows that aren't really an accurate picture? Well, there's, of what gen- there's generalizations. I would say, you know, in most cases, eighty uh, percent of women probably are very relational and sensitive and feeling oriented. They're tapped into understanding what, what the dynamic of the relationship is. Uh, how they feel about the relationship is super important. But then maybe 20% of the guys are like that. So we kind of talk about the generalization all the time and forget that there are exceptions. Everyone's unique. Your relationship is the one God gives you. There are principles and truths in the Bible in terms of how the teamwork of marriage works. That whether a man's personality is like yours and mine, that maybe has some of the feminine traits, uh, though we're very macho-looking guys. There we go. Um, <laughs> we still are to be the head of the marriage. And the head of the marriage isn't a word of dominance and power. It's a word of position like Christ who lays down his life to take responsibility for the church. In our case, we need to lay down our pride. We need to lay down our... Um, own position to defend ourselves. We need to sacrifice our priorities and chart a course that's best for our wife and best for our family. And sometimes that takes courageous activity, courageous decisions, um, humble words of apology. A husband's leadership uh, many times is he's the first one to apologize. And if a guy makes a lot of mistakes, he's just got a lot of material to lead in, right? To make lots of apologies. Uh, And for a wife to be a helper to her husband and to bring out his strengths and to encourage him, to use respect as a pathway for influencing him, which is what the Bible teaches. And it gives a woman actually more influence and power than if she were to correct or boss or nag. Um, 
Those are God's formulas. And the world throws those formulas out because sometimes they've seen men handle it poorly or we want to be in charge. But God's design works. If we trust in the Holy Spirit, we ask for God's power. God's design works. So, you know, no matter our personality, Mike, like you and I were speaking of, there still is a design. There's still still our roles. And that's a lot of what I still do will share that God has a beautiful design for two equal human beings who are very different, a woman and a man, who become a wife and a husband. Uh, and his blueprints in the scriptures, when empowered by uh, a relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit in us, uh, can create such a positive relationship in the midst of your difficulties, which you still have, that you will bless your children and you'll be a shining lighthouse so others can see God's love is real and it attracts people to Christ. And the resources to help strengthen and build our marriage are certainly out there. There are many. A lot of folks aren't aware of them. And a lot of folks think, oh, gosh, if I want help for my marriage, I got to go to a therapist or a counselor, or maybe I need to go to a marriage conference. No, you can take DVDs into your home and go through them as a couple. You could go through them with a mentor couple. You could mentor a younger couple, even if you don't have a perfect marriage, which Stacey and I have done for years. Or you can lead a small group and use the art of marriage or materials from Love and Respect or many other good ministries. Uh, So there are DVD series and good Bible studies and good books, um, workshops, resources that couples can invest in. And I think it's something we should be doing every year and multiple times during the year. It should be regularly a part of our culture, our fabric, the things that we do because we just do because they're there and they're important. Yeah, that they're important, but they're also in our own self-interest. How many people want their marriage to be uh, on a scale of zero to 10, a four? Not many. How many of them, if it's a six, want it to stay a six? Not many. People would love to see their marriage move from a two to three, to a three to a five, from a five to a seven, from a seven to a nine. And maybe uh, they'll find out that what they thought was a 10 in their marriage a few years ago really isn't nearly as great as it can become in the future with deeper levels of intimacy after having gone through more challenges and understanding each other even more. So that's why we're investing in our relationships to become better husbands and better wives so our marriage can thrive even more in the future. And I've seen that in my marriage. It's so much stronger than it was years ago because we keep investing in it. And that's what we need to prioritize. FamilyLife.com has plenty of resources that you can glean from. One of them is IStillDo.com, coming to Portland at the Moda Center on Saturday, August 23rd. It's a one-day event, and for those of you more familiar with The Weekend to Remember, you might notice that Weekend to Remember is not happening in the Portland market this year because there are three locations for I Still Do. We happen to be privileged to be the West Coast location. Yeah, three in the whole country. So, you know, The Weekend to Remember reaches 800 people or 1,000 sometimes. Uh, This I Still Do... Uh, has room for 12,000 people. And it's got amazing music, awesome worship. Chris August is going to be there entertaining. There's a comedian couple who kind of drop your guard and make you laugh about some marriage issues. There's a drama couple, Acts of Renewal. And then uh, Dennis Rainey and his wife Barbara will be amazing speakers, Crawford and Karen Loritz and Dr. Al Moeller. Uh, Ron Deal is an expert nationally on blended families. So if you have a second marriage or a third marriage even, if you have stepchildren issues, uh, you're going to gain some practical, encouraging, hopeful help at this great day, uh, which is really a celebration of our vows as well as a marriage strengthening day, a date with a purpose, so to speak. 
Let's prioritize that, friends. Jeff Kemp is with Family Life. More information on the event is at istilldo.com, and you're listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. You're listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800 with the Vice President and Catalyst for Helping Others for Family Life. His name is Jeff Kemp. He used to be on KPDQ on Family Matters, which was a radio devotional from his prior ministry, and that would be Stronger Family. So always good to have you back in the area. Do you miss the Northwest since you had to move away a couple of years ago? I miss the two summer months (laughs) a lot. This is awesome weather. Uh, We've enjoyed Arkansas because it's a little bit sunnier more often. But yes, I miss friends. I love the dynamic and creative and beautiful nature of the Northwest. Um, Had a great meal in Tiger last night. I was with a friend uh, that worked for Luis Palau Crusades for many years. Nice. Where'd you go? We were sitting outside, um, had a great meal. We made a point to ask the uh, waitress what she thinks is good on the menu, and she was fun. We started engaging with her, asked her the meaning of some of the tattoos that we saw on her body. And uh, she was just having a good time with us and treating us really well. And she asked why I was here and where I was from. And I said, I'm here on business. And uh, then I said, but business is relationships. And she says, oh, that's a good idea. It should be. And I said, no, literally, my business is relationships. I said, I'm in a nonprofit that works to strengthen relationships and marriages and parenting so that families can stay together and kids have the benefit of their mom and dad's unity and, and support and love. And she goes, ah. Oh, Wow, we need that. What, what is it that you do? And I told, told a little bit more about it. And um, I said, well, I'm actually here to promote an event that's going to do just that. It's going to help people know what are the keys to building a great relationship? How do you grow a strong marriage? And she then said, well, gosh, I'm, uh, I've been with my boyfriend for four years and our marriage is – excuse me, our relationship's getting a lot harder because um, we have a child who's got some disabilities and, and learning difficulties and just creates a lot of stress and strain and challenge. It kind of pulls a lot of energy out of ourselves. And um, then I asked her about, you know, marriage. She considered that. And, and this guy, very typical, uh, comes from a family where he's never seen anything like marriage. He's a very broken family and didn't have men investing in him in a picture of marriage. And, you know, that really is where so much of our society is. Uh, they're missing the blueprints. They're, they're writing their own script. They're getting their ideas from culture. Um, and, and, that's not leading us down a path of health. So the cool thing was I said, well, do you want to hear about the event we're doing? Want me to give you one of the brochures? And um, I did, and I told her it's going to talk about uh, how to resolve conflict, how to communicate. Uh, it's going to talk about God's design, and it's going to bring in the fact that there's hope and there's help from God and Jesus. And, she, and I said, how, what do you think of that? And she goes, I think that'd be cool. I'd really like to go. So she grabbed three brochures and uh, I said, why don't you invite a friend? Maybe your boyfriend will feel comfortable if another couple comes with you guys. Um, but I guess I'd say to your listeners, you know people who either have said something to you or they've hinted at it or you can just see that their marriage is struggling. Maybe they are afraid of marriage and haven't gotten married yet because they think the divorce rate is 50% and why try? Truth is the divorce rate is closer to 40% or 35%. Um, that's inaccurate. The data, it's scaring us off. But they may just need the encouragement to know that there are blueprints. There are ways you can invest. There, there are many marriages that are succeeding, more succeed than fail. And uh, so invite them to I Still Do and grow your own marriage at the same time. And may I encourage you not to only go after what you would classify as your unsaved friends, coworkers, and neighbors, but how about the guy you hang out with 
at church or you drop your kids off together at soccer or softball oh, yeah. or Royal Rangers even because you know what? There are hurting couples in the church. Let's not pretend that they aren't anymore. Let's just be transparent with each other and to say, look, I'm happily married for 18 years, but well, – and, and have it not be a stigma and say, oh, that, that person's not perfect. What's up with that Christianity thing? How's that You make a good you? point. I, I think the, the very most difficult place – to walk our faith out completely is marriage because we're not really as aware as we should be that I'm a sinner married to another sinner in a fallen world with an enemy who doesn't want marriage to work because marriage is the center of the family and the greatest discipleship vehicle God has ever invented. Marriage disciples children to either believe in Jesus or not. And it's the integrity of our marriage, the modeling of the gospel, the humility and apologies uh, the faithfulness and commitment, the enjoyment, the kisses, the hugs, the sense that sexuality and having children happens in this place. If we don't get that message across to our kids, then we haven't passed on the faith. And that's why a lot of them are moving away. Um, secondly, that's a great testimony and witness to other people. So, yeah, whether uh, Christians need to, to realize that you know, marriage isn't, isn't easy, but it is wonderful. And it does grow, and it can get better, but only with Christ at the center of it when we follow his biblical design. So you have Christian friends. Remind them your marriage isn't easy. You've been through some tough chapters. If they're in one of those tough chapters, they're not the first ones. Please come with us to this I Still Do. Um, and, of course, people at work, people on the Little League team, people you see at the you know uh, child care center or wherever, invite them. People need relational help. It's probably the poverty of America's soul. We have less um, intense poverty where people have no roof over their head and no food to eat, although there is poverty still and we need to address it, uh, than the rest of the world. But we do have probably more relational poverty than much of the world and more than ever at any time in history because, gosh, um, four out of ten marriages are breaking up. The marriage rate is dropping. People live together rather than get married. Young people are afraid of it. Uh, sex has been presented as an a la carte item on the menu of life. And unfortunately, we've reversed the bonding process from friendship, dialogue, getting to know each other, sharing some intellectual effort, uh, pursuits, uh, doing activities together, learning about families, finding out about dreams, uh, then making a commitment, then having a marriage, and then enjoying sex where there's oxytocin and other bonding agents, Right. Instead, we throw those things so often at the front of the train and people use the physical attraction, which Hollywood sells to us, as their bonding agent. The problem is it's a surface level. They think they're bonded and they have a feeling that doesn't want to leave that person, but they don't really have the deep friendship, the deep relationship. There's not a maturity that knows how to go the distance. So that's why we see higher breakup rates and greater dissatisfaction when they hit the trials that relationships often bring. But fortunately, there are resources out there. And although we are certainly encouraging people of all stages of relationship to come on out to I Still Do at the Moda Center on Saturday, August 23rd, we want to emphasize that you don't go to an annual event, get your quick fix in and go out just fine in the world any better than you show up at church for 45 minutes on a Sunday if you feel like going or if there's no good game on that day and think you're going to be okay for the week. You don't, and it's not a weakness. It's a sign of where is your commitment. So we had this dinner a few nights ago at the old Spaghetti Factory, which just treated us great, and the food was was fantastic in Clackamas. So I had a good time, and I had my shrimp and everything. So (laughs) anyway, so we're at this um, 
meeting of the different marriage ministry minds in the Portland area. One of them is a great one. It's Date Night PDX. It's coming up. DateNightPDX.org is their website. And Can I what, say something quick about them? Oh, please do. Yeah. Uh, Every Marriage Matters is a group that's been serving marriages in this area all around Clackamas County for a long time. And they are leading the date night effort, which really is getting married couples back dating again. You didn't date to marry. You married to keep dating. And if you keep investing in the fun part of your relationship, it grows, especially if you have some good resources along the way. And so that they're going to have four dates during the month of August. Uh, the first one is on August 1st. It's a large event. You can find out about it at everymarriagematters.org. And then there's a date the next week and the next week. And then the final one is the I Still Do day-long uh, catalyst marriage celebration event on the 23rd of August. But uh, they have date night ideas all through the year. They have resources they suggest. Uh, you mentioned already The Art of Marriage, a DVD series that Family Life puts out that couples can go through with friends in a small group or at their church um, in their neighborhood. So a one-time conference may trigger something, but it's the investments each month and each, each date and during the course of the year that make a difference. And I know you're referring to that, Mike, that we need to keep growing our relationship to reach the levels that God wants it to grow to. So my wife, Pam, and I, we went to a married couples group with four other couples from a previous church, and we would get together. It was nowhere near where we lived, unfortunately, but we loved getting together. And one of the advantages that our group had was we were very diverse in age. We had a a, a young couple in their 20s with two kids, so they'd bring the baby half the time, and we were okay with that. And then we had other couples that had 12 kids or were virtual grandparents. And having that diversity when it comes to we are Christ followers and it's okay that we don't fit the same category, I think it helped us out. The young people are gaining wisdom. The older couples are gaining energy and excitement around their marriage. And there are certainly different groups and organizations right here in the Pacific Northwest to get in contact with. Family Life's Art of Marriage is coming up this fall. So don't let I Still Do be a one-and-done thing. Think of it as a perhaps launch pad or kickoff event or a re-spark in your marriage or the relationships around you. Because when I was driving home from that dinner, Jeff, I felt incredibly convicted. You know why? Because of all the efforts I was putting out to my kids' sports camp or piano or vocal lessons, how much less effort have I been putting into my marriage? So I can honestly say I did go out on a date with my wife. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings uh, right. last week. And so, so so, Mr. Authority on Marriage, Jeff Kemp, Vice President I'm of Family I'm not Mr. Authority. When I'm, was your I'm, last date? I'm a fellow date? traveler. <laughs> when uh, was your last one-on-one date with Stacey, may I ask? Oh, good thing you added one-on-one because we took our son out to Buffalo Wild Wings just the other day. But just uh, it's probably been about uh, two weeks and Stacy and I have had a couple good dates lately. Now that we're in the empty nest phase, it's easier. Uh, the hardest phase of dating was when the kids were in high school and junior high. We did really well during their elementary school and younger years. We had a babysitter set every week. And for those that don't really have the finances for that, you got to find another family and maybe uh, send your kids to their house for a night every other week or so. And then you take their kids sometimes. Uh, if it's a, a walk around the block or a, playing tennis at the park or something that doesn't cost much money, you need to carve out that time. And it's a great way for a man to lead, to say, honey, we're going to take a date. Here's an idea. Jeff Kemp is the vice president and catalyst for helping others for family life. More information on the I Still Do event can be found at istilldo.com. And you're listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Welcome back to Difference Makers on True Talk 800 with our very special guest in town. He's from the Northwest, although he's relocated to Arkansas. His name is Jeff Kemp. 
Catalyst for Helping Others and Vice President at Family Life with more great resources available at FamilyLife.com. And it's about this I Still Do event coming to the Moda Center on Saturday, August 23rd. You need to be here, folks. Whether you've been married for five decades or you're kind of almost quasi-engaged, you do need to glean from these Christ-centered experts. It's, it's going to be fun. Mixed marriage, even. It's going to be musical. It's going to be drama. It's going to be humor, and it's going to be beautiful uh, testimonies of turnarounds in marriage, and a chance for a couple to kind of uh, put a stake in the ground and to say, "Yeah, this is why we committed. I still do love you. I still do want my marriage to do well. In fact, I want it to grow." Um, so it's going to be a great day for people in all walks of life, in all kinds of marriages. And a lot of people, Mike, are going to catch a vision that they can be helping others on their journey in their marriage going forward, which is exactly kind of the way it worked for Stacy and me in our life. So after that, we don't want you to just be done with it. We want you to plug into a marriage building resource near you. And one of those is Family Life's Art of Marriage, which we will talk about in depth on True Talking 100, on KPTQ, and on The Fish with more information on our station's websites. And don't forget to tune in to our sister station, 93.9 KPDQ, for her a great show with Dennis Rainey. It's called Family Life Today, airing weekdays at 9.30 and 1 a.m., plus Family Life Weekend Saturdays at 1 a.m. as well. But Jeff, we have all these resources to help strengthen and build the marriages. What's up with the current state of marriages for, say, the younger generation today? Well, one thing to know is that people are falsely discouraged by an exaggerated version of the facts. Uh, many people say that the chance of divorce is five out of ten. You know, uh, half of marriages divorce. That's not true. So, where'd that number come from, and why have well, you been it, perpetuating it? it? It happened because many researchers, in seeing the trend lines uh, starting about thirty years ago, started predicting that the divorce rate would be projected as five out of ten. So they were saying the future. Uh, Likelihood of a divorce was five out of 10 marriages would, would break up, but in no year has it ever reached that level. It's more likely in the three and three and a half, um, like 35% to 40% of marriages will break up and fewer church attending, Bible believing, praying couples um, will divorce than the culture at large, even though that statistic was falsely presented that Christian marriages break up the same as the culture uh, that is debunked in a book by Shanti Feldhahn called The Good News About Marriage. So I'm getting back to the question. Why are there not as many marriages these days? Why are the marriage rates dropping? Why are young people afraid of it? I got two two pictures for us of why. Number one, I asked a 28-year-old guy, uh, what's going on with marriage for your, your generation? And he said, you know what? We are consumers in the most consumeristic advertised to age in history. And we've been taught that we're number one and everything should satisfy us and that we should never be content with what we have because a new product should come along that we'll want that will make us happier. And that bleeds into our marriage relationships. So people just view relationships and dating and marriage as a big consumer item and they're afraid that marriage doesn't look like it brings enough benefit. And then they're not sure how to invest because they're acting like a consumer. So that's one problem, okay? Uh, the second is um, I, I, I was talking to a pastor, and uh, he asked a young lady, a mature Christian at his church in, in uh, Chicago, why are you not marrying yet? Where, what's going on with these guys? And she said, you mean these man boys? And she went on to explain that these guys are immature and afraid of commitment. They're still living out video game lifestyles of little boys, even though they're making forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. They haven't matured into manhood. They don't know what it is. 
So I think, Mike, one of the key issues to address is the crisis of male identity. Boys and men don't know what it is to be a man. And as much as we can trash what the media and entertainment do to people today, this goes back farther than this current generation. When I think about your story, Jeff Kemp, about your dad raising you in a home where you knew you were loved for who you were, not for what you did, and yet still went off to Dartmouth with a big performance mentality. I think to a degree, maybe it's ingrained in us as fallen vessels, as human beings, that we do identify with what we do more than simply being sure, God's sure. children. And, and uh, there's a great definition of manhood that Robert Lewis has come up with, and it's presented in the um, Men Stepping Up uh, resource, uh, Stepping Up to Courageous Manhood. It's a DVD series. But uh, Robert Lewis says that a man is someone who rejects passivity. He didn't just sit there and let life happen. He's intentional. Number two, he takes responsibility. Number three, he leads courageously. He, he wants to chart the course, and he's willing to take a risk to do so. And finally, he's living his life for a purpose greater than himself, a reward in heaven. And I would add a fourth thing to that. A man knows that to commit to a relationship is unconditional love. And that's what a man does when he marries a wife, when he raises a daughter or a son. Um, so we need to show young men what manhood is, and it's usually passed on in the company of other men. And that's what I'm excited about because little small groups of men are gathering all over the country and forming around men's resources like Men's Fraternity that Robert Lewis had a role in, uh, Stepping Up, which is kind of a catalyst event that gets men started and then for 10 weeks meeting in small groups. And this is desperately needed. It's happening in prisons. It's happening in corporate boardrooms. It's happening uh, with you know coaches and some of their players, dads and their sons. And in churches all over the country, uh, small groups of men are waking up uh, and getting together to learn what is biblical manhood in the model of Jesus. What is biblical manhood in the model of Jesus? There are a couple of websites I want to plug for Jeff Camp here. One is mensteppingup.com, which is the key to reviving marriage and family because it lets you know what men and men's identity consist of. And I got a correction. You said plug for Jeff Camp. It's not. It's plugging for the value that it offers our listeners right now. There's a guy out there who's like, dude, I wish I had a dad that showed me the way. I don't. Uh, I'm confused by my employer. What he's trying to get me to do seems unethical. Uh, I'm confused by the relationships that women are offering me where it doesn't seem like they know what a good man is and I'm having a hard time. So uh, for the sake of the guys out there listening, go to mensteppingup.com and take a peek at some of God's blueprints and the resources that can bring us men together in the company of men to grow our manhood in humility and Christ-like courage. So about the I Still Do event that we've been talking about significantly, uh, coming to the Motor Center in Portland, Saturday, August 23rd, can you give us some of the highlights that you and Stacey are personally looking forward to at I Still Do? Well, I don't think anyone can and really realize what it's like to be in a stadium with four, five, six, seven, ten thousand people that are there with a sense of anticipation that we want our marriage to grow. We want our marriage to get better. We want our marriage to heal. Um, there's an energy, and it's really the Spirit of God that's going to be there. Uh, there's going to be amazing messengers who give you kind of a fabulous presentation of God's biblical, timeless blueprints. And a lot of this is stuff that we've forgotten, or some of us have never heard it. It's revolutionary. God's ways work. God is a good God. He wants our life to be thriving. It'll never be easy because it's a fallen world, but he shows us how to get through the challenges. 
There's going to be some great worship uh, from some worship leaders like Jimmy McNeil. And Chris August is a fabulous guitarist and songwriter. I listened to him last year for a couple of days in a row, and he's going to be there. Uh, some acts of renewal um, will, will be this couple that does some dramatic presentations of marriage. There's a comedian team of a husband and wife. So there's just going to be some great stuff. A blended family expert speaking to those in second marriages and the issues they're facing. Um, and you're going to get a vision that your marriage was meant not just to be healthy and thrive and grow and that you can be honest with your weaknesses and that will actually help the people around you. But you can influence them with good tools. You can use a resource like The Art of Marriage to grow your marriage and your friends' marriages at the same time. I've got this old coworker back in New Jersey, and he and his wife are going through a divorce, although they are the best of friends and they are busting themselves to take care of their daughter. They're working real hard at the divorce. They really are. No, but we're talking, she sets up surprise birthday parties with him, with his side of the family. They, They go on trips together and all I could think of is, why can't you just invest in that just a little more? So we're at this old spaghetti uh, factory dinner the other night, and marriage team's Al Ray, whom you've also heard of on KPDQ before, he made a great statement. So I hope I'm not misquoting him. Uh, he was talking to a couple, and uh, one of the people said, I want to get a divorce. And his answer was, do you want to get divorced, or do you just want to be happy again? Uh So I want to challenge listeners out there, no matter where your marriage is on the scale, even if you're going through rough waters right now, wouldn't you just like to see and invest in one day at the Moda Center with thousands of other couples just like you to not only be entertained, have fun, enjoy great music, Andrew Peterson's going to be there, comedy and fun. This is not going to be an eight-hour sermon of here's what you need to do. This is entertaining. This is fun. This is engaging. And this is proving that... You're willing to invest just one day in this person you said you loved. Yeah, so, and you've been making come. the point. It gives hope. It really gives hope. And and uh, a couple who thinks that they're unhappy and that divorce will end the unhappiness just trades it in for a different sort, sort of unhappiness. And it's an unhappiness that spreads to your children and to others that are saddened by your marriage. Uh, God intends for the difficulties in our marriage to drive us closer to him in relationship. And then – to seek the help in our marriage so we can go through the pain to form a better partnership, more intimacy. There's hope. There's help. And that's what I still do is all about. Amen to that. Mensteppingup.com will let you find out a lot more about men and men's ministry. Do check out Family Life's Art of Marriage coming this fall. You'll hear about it on Yeah, the radio station campaign is going to help a lot of churches hold many small marriage conferences. And we look forward to that. And, of course, Saturday, August 23rd at Portland's Moda Center will be I Still Do This One Day Marriage Event. Uh, Don't give up. Don't stop trying to grow and build your marriage, friends. And finally, uh, I want to thank Jeff Kemp, the Vice President and Catalyst for helping others at Family Life, for being our very special guest in town today. And as a former NFL quarterback, i got to ask you, who are your picks for this year? And the new SEC college football analyst, Tim Tebow, will he ever play in the NFL again? I think Tim is now in a uh, media platform that will continue. I don't think he'll get back in the NFL, though I think that was a dream of his. Um and Tim is a guy who loves God, and he trusts God's will, and he'll play the, the, the hand that's dealt him. It'll be great to see him on television a lot because so many people respect him, and he uh, carries himself as a good role model. As far as the, the picks for the future, uh, it's very hard to repeat a Super Bowl championship. And a lot of that has to do with there's a certain humility that only one team really masters at a time. 
and they get humble enough to put one another ahead of each other and the coach's dream ahead of themselves and they sacrifice and they come together. And the Seahawks did that. After the Super Bowl rings and all the prizes and hoopla and attention and bigger contracts, can they stay humble like that? That's a tough challenge. But I'm still picking the Seahawks because I love their philosophy of competing to be better every single day, which is what we've been talking about in marriage. Why would we ever settle for where we are today when God says there's help and hope to grow further? Thank you so much to former Seattle Seahawks quarterback and currently the vice president over at Family Life, Jeff Kemp. And again, more information is on the website istilldo.com. Thanks so much for joining us on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.